0: Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Rachel.
1: Hello and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Nisha Khanna. She's a practitioner of functional medicine and Ayurveda, and she's here to talk to us today about Tantra and how we can bring more spirituality and empowerment into our relationships. Thank
2: you so much for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk on this
1: topic. Yeah, I think this is just such an important topic because all of us, whether we are in a relationship now or maybe a future relationship, maybe struggle with the um, maybe confidence or just that feeling of empowerment, what you said before we got started. So yeah, I guess maybe can you begin by giving us a background of Tantra?
2: Mm, Yeah, so... um, I'd start by saying that the concept of Tantra may have been sort of, it's deviated over time from, I think, where it started in its roots. And and so our modern day impression of it may be something that's very different than what was originally intended. Mm. And um, it's not so much about the practices or the techniques or this sort of... um, I guess racy sexuality, where people are having prolonged intercourse. It's um, it, it really is about the spirituality mm. that um, that exists within ourselves and sort of our unique uh, approach to life and meditation, and then letting that translate into our relationships with both ourself as well as others. And um, and so I guess my interest or. Excitement around it is recovering this ancient definition, and um, and I'm not saying that practitioners these days of tantra don't um, in- incorporate those elements. Mm-hmm. It's more that there's sort of a modern day sort of taboo um, impression of what tantra is, mm-hmm. and um, and so it's it's been a passion of mine to uncover or, or discover. What what it's all about, right. and and then share that with and anybody and everybody that I feel could benefit from hearing that message. And um, I've spoken on it in some workshops and with patients, and um, and it can be profoundly healing, mm-hmm. and in, enlightening, and opening um, to people that do learn a little bit more about what tantra is, and. Um, and so that's my excitement around it. I wouldn't say that I'm a professor of Tantra. Mm-hmm. I'm really just curious, a curious student that is excited to share what I've learned.
1: Definitely. And I guess from there, <laughs> get to share uh, what Tantra
2: has brought for you. Yeah, so um, so one of the definitions of Tantra, there's multiple, is sort of a yoking. And um, by that, a union. And I... Um, I actually meditated on the idea of what Tantra is. Um, I had read several books, I would attended some workshops, and it was a really beautiful um, practice that I had that evening as I was preparing for my Tantra workshop that I was going to teach. I just sat down and I thought, I want to be true to what Tantra is. I don't want to... I, I don't want to manipulate it by any of my other impressions. I want to have this clear kind of ga- download or guidance mm-hmm. um, of what, what it actually is. And it was just the, this incredibly beautiful experience where I'm just sitting there quietly, and I had this um, sense of union with the universe. I, I, I felt like I was the universe. I was the space and the sky and the stars. I was, I was everything, and it was moving through me. But I was also it, and it was this incredible sense of union with everything that exists.
3: Mm.
2: And um, and then what was coming to me in that meditation is this: is what tantra is. It's when we recognize our connection with the universe, mm. with all that exists, and we recognize ourself as this divine piece in this whole divine orchestra of life Mm -hmm. and existence, and that it's in recognition of this union that we experience what we call Tantra, because by being a body, by being a conscious entity that's able to interact with the world, to see it, to feel it, to experience the world, we we can often become separate and think, I'm just mm. the observer of my experience. But my definition of Tantra that came through that evening was that you're not separate. You are, to to fully experience Tantra is to to feel that you're both the observer, but you're also part and parcel with the experience. So Mm. as you touch this table, the fact that your physicality can contact the table and make this connection is, is this unique experience where you can observe it, but you also are getting the feedback from the table. It's, it's texture, it's, it's rigidity. And so in essence, it's, it's the knowledge and the experience of being fully present to all that you experience. Mm. And, and that was the definition of Tantra that came through to me. And I, you know, of course, was asking for higher guidance than what you know, I may have been able to <laughs> experience through a book or a workshop. And I don't know if I'm clear in that. Do you think
1: I explained that well? Yes. And actually, I'm uh, immediately just kind of thinking um, of all these ways that we we do separate ourselves. We separate ourselves from each other. We separate ourselves from the, of course, like physical things in our universe. Um, And just in general, it feels like, um, you know, especially when we get into, you know, some of those... More difficult emotions of, like, anxiety or fear. That's a very isolating emotion. And so our kind of response is that we almost build the wall even thicker around ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So this idea that you start to acknowledge that the wall around us maybe doesn't exist... and that we are connected with one another and we're connected with the, our environment and the things that are around us um, is actually one of the most like profound and and maybe valuable feelings for someone to have because mm-hmm. it's what gives us that feeling of of purpose and passion and not just feeling like we're on the sidelines watching life go by that we're really a part of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea that we would, work on ways to feel more connected to other people and more connected in our lives or to the things that we're doing. I think that is a, a wonderful thing that pretty much anyone would benefit from. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, you know, when you first brought this topic up, I just think of of Tantra and kind of as you were alluding to these Uh, kind of perceptions that people have, you know, that, oh, this is a sexual thing between two people. Mm. But then as you start to describe it, the first thing you're describing is this inward meditation Mm -hmm. and this inner connection with yourself. And that like, that is the first thing that Tantra is. And so to me, that immediately um, answers a lot of my questions. And I think, yes, that is something that so many people would benefit from. Um, also, when you talk about the, you know, yoking or bringing together reminds me of yoga. Mm. So I'm just curious, you know, is there a connection between Tantra and yoga? Are these things be related or?
2: Yeah, definitely. So Tantra, Ayurveda, yoga are all sort of sister sci- sciences in a triangle um, that were sort of their origins are around the same time in history. And they were all meant to be pathways to mm. spirituality and to kind of the acknowledgement of who we are as mm. beings and um, our existence. And, um, and yeah, there's many definitions of Tantra and that that's one of them, kind of the yoking of the masculine and the feminine um, that exists within us primarily and then mm. outside of us as well. Um, one other piece that I'll kind of tie into the definition of Tantra, is that it's, it's first our connection with our own experience versus this kind of concept of, oh, we're all everything, and therefore we're all unified and we're all connected. It's, it's primarily um, becoming one with your experience. Mm. So um, in Ayurveda, there's the concept of observer, object of observation and then sort of the movement or the experience that happens in order to observe. So so the observation. And to me, Tantra is shrinking the gap between the object and the observer mm. so that it's no longer the observer experiencing the object, but becoming one with the object. And that might seem confusing, but I think that's what happens when we're totally present to a situation. So when you're really just taken aback in awe, like maybe you look at the sky and there's an amazing sunset happening, for a moment before you think, I need to get my iPhone out and take a picture, or before you even have the chance to comment to whoever's next to you or even to yourself in your internal dialogue, that's so beautiful. There is that kind of split second where the you, the observer, and the object of your observation has—it's just been obliterated. That mm-hmm. gap has been obliterated, and that is a moment of tantra. That's a moment of true presence, mm. and um, and yoking of the of the object and observer and shrinking the gap, and um, and so this is what we're talking about right now is sort of laying the foundation of well how does this translate in into our experience with ourselves but also with other people mm-hmm. and so if we can invite into our life more moments where there is that total presence and we forget that we are separate from our experience mm. and one of the ways to do that is to actually dive fully into the experience and, and really get into your senses. So, um, so say, and you can do that with all five senses. So when you taste something, being really just engulfed in the taste, that's a moment where you shrink the gap. When you see something, sunsets, that's where you shrink the gap. When you feel the touch of, say, soft, you know, velvet or corduroy or feathers or whatever, you shrink the gap. So it's Mm -hmm. what I really love about Tantra as a spiritual discipline is that many of our spiritual traditions that have been sort of passed down are very masculine in that it's, um, let's connect with higher consciousness. Let's be up in our heads and beyond. And, um, let's, let's, the body is bad, the body has you know, is filthy, the body is gonna betray you, it will mm. seduce you. You know, there's these sort of polarity concepts within spirituality where um they're almost kind of puritanical where, you know, let's be these sort of semi disembodied spirits and you know, I say that we're gonna be like that anyway, at some point when we lose the body. Mm. Why would we have a body now? The, the idea for me through Tantra is that we've been given this body as a vehicle to presence, that we don't need mm. to deny that we exist. On the contrary, let's dive deeply into our existence. So getting into, and one of the best ways to do that is through our senses. And I think, say in Buddhism, we've, we've been taught that, um, you know, desire is bad and it will... Um, and you know you, the senses will betray you, mm. um, and it's it's really your approach because it it through the senses you can actually achieve that presence that you may be seeking in denying that you have a body and just sitting quietly in meditation. I have a a poem that I wrote that one of the first lines is, isn't it meditation to dive into you? You know, like to be fully present um, into your experience in a relationship with the person across from you. To me, meditation doesn't have to be this thing where I sit down cross-legged. I do do that type of meditation some days Um, and other days I experiment. And I say, Hey, I didn't meditate sitting cross legged today, but my meditation for the next hour is going to be, to be as present as I can be with each person that I talk to or interact with and, and have a fully open heart where I'm sending love to them. And I'm actually seeing if I can experience the love for this other being and that's meditation, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so our bodies are these vehicles, I think, that we can use to achieve the same things that we could achieve in um, in sort of connecting with higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. We can we can be more of the conduit between the earth where we are embodied and which provides us with nourishment and sustenance and mm-hmm. support in so many ways, and. And with, with higher consciousness, with um, with more universal consciousness and spirit, and be, and use our bodies as this conduit uh, of spirituality and experience it through
1: the body. So that's the other piece to Tantra. I like that. And, you know, there's, um, I think also as we were talking about yoga and the namaste at the end of practice about you know, honoring the teacher within you and the teacher within me, and honoring this practice. And um, I, as you were talking, I kind of kept thinking about that, you know, and this idea of like how we connect to one another and. Um, rather than seeing the other people in the world around us as like competing with us for parking spots or competing with us for partners or mm-hmm. whatever else, you know, that we actually like look at those other people with that expression of the namaste, that mm-hmm. love and gratitude and that I appreciate you and I honor you. And um, I think just in general, that's that's missing in a lot of our Uh, kind of modern lifestyle you know so much of the you know social pressures or cultural pressures um, are you know in a in a way pitting us against each other or maybe just perpetuating that element of you know competition or um, especially in the in the realm of social media I feel like it's Really, really bad there. Mm. Most people in their regular lives aren't quite as you know, competitive with perfect strangers as the <laughs> nature of, of a lot of social media is. Um, but just in general, this idea of changing the way that we see the world around us and the people around us and that we um, endeavor to connect with other people in a way that maybe we haven't before, um, I think is something that could really bring profound change um, in terms of someone's social confidence with other people, mm. but then also in how they feel about themselves or how we feel about ourselves, um, because so much of those kind of internal um, doubts or questions or or just kind of criticisms that we have of ourselves, those become perpetuated the more that we see ourselves as someone very different than another person or we see someone else as better Mm -hmm. at something or better looking or whatever it might be. Um, So this idea that you really do fuel your own um, experience, your own spiritual connection with yourself and the kind of confidence or self-love. There's maybe so many different words to describe something that Mm -hmm. is... Hard to put into words, yeah. Um, but that definitely sounds like something that you have gotten from, you know, endeavoring into tantra. Well, um, a couple things,
2: you know. I think people are going to irritate us, you know, in traffic and, like you said, parking spots and things like that. Um, and I think an important part of that is recognizing that whatever's going on outside is is indeed a reflection a mirror for something that we actually on a soul level want to heal Mm -hmm. and, um, and want to transcend. And so I usually say, you know, the irritation that you experience with someone else is more about you and one, the story that you're choosing that I'm going to choose my reaction and be irritated with this person. Um, then it is about, these other people it's almost like we could view our life as a stage or a set and we're the we're the main character we're always the main character but (laughs) you know we're the main character in our in our play and there's gonna be people that cut you off and traffic and take your parking spot and you know it's almost it's almost like a game like there's all these factors that Mm -hmm. are potentially irritating or not irritating, and we, as the main player, get to choose our reaction and choose an ex- and choose how we're going to respond to the situation. Mm-hmm. Are we going to respond with retaliation and pointing the finger, or are we going to respond with uh, what can I learn from this situation? It's coming up for me, this pattern has repeated, what can I learn from it, or um, you know, in essence, I I do feel that some days where I, um, I'm just like, I I, kind of coach myself and I say, okay, you know, this is coming up. What, how do you want to, how do you want to do, how do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. You know? And, um, and so there is that element of, um, of taking that personal responsibility for how we feel despite what's going on around us. Mm. And, uh, and then, with regards to kind of what you talked about as well, um, it's starting with the self, it's starting with the individual and then sort of filtering out from there. Um, that's how I feel about Tantra and sexuality. If we, if we can't take responsibility for our own experience, mm-hmm. then it's, it's almost an unfair sort of responsibility that gets put on someone else, whether it's for our pleasure or whether it's, you know, our suffering. And um, and so that's another aspect of Tantra that, that I think is really important to its definition is this idea that because our experience is our own and it's something that we have largely a lot of control of, how we mm. are experiencing a situation, um, you know, there's gonna be all the sort of external forces sort of, you know, tipping the balance here or there, right. but we still maintain our center and we maintain our sense of control mm. um, of how we will at least respond to whatever's happening in this storm of the outside. Um, whether it's to be dive completely and go really present with this touch or with this sight, uh, this vision, uh, this taste, That that is our internal experience and that's something that we very much have control over mm. and and therefore in sexuality it really doesn't even matter <laughs> what someone else is doing and what they are, um, it's almost like because we're so filled up with our own ecstasy of one, existing and two, the fact that we exist that we can interact with and uh, reach the object of experience and become one with that object that it it, there's so much more personal responsibility in sexuality than there is um if we then say it's up to our partner to please us and to do the right thing and to look a certain way and and so Mm. um i'm trying to link the idea of that uni- unified experience with, with the object of your experience mm-hmm. and the presence to the sensory moments um, with taking personal responsibility such that there's an aspect of selfishness where you're so, so concerned about you <laughs> that it almost doesn't matter what someone else is doing And I I found that two people who are really in their element of presence, unified consciousness, and and personal responsibility can come together and have an amazing experience. Um, What happens a lot of the time is... People are too worried about how someone else is experiencing them mm-hmm. or how they um, they might be performing. And there is no ecstasy in that situation and there's no presence because the mind is in the past or the future. Mm. And so a big part of Tantra is coming into the present moment with you and how you feel. And, of course, there's still communication, and I'm not telling partners to be entirely selfish, um, but... I think that there's room for more more sense of self and ownership. Ownership of responsibility, mm. ownership of experience. Um, and then that internal ex- ecstasy to be generated by both partners that then are coming together with these full cups, right. you know, versus you're going to fill my cup and then I'm going to fill your cup. No, we're both have these full cups and we're overflowing and our, we share our overflow. Mm
0: we'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash P S Y C H E T-R-U-T-H. I think
1: that again that idea, you know, kind of translates out into the rest of our lives where, you know, are we kind of going along and having a passive experience of the things that go by? Um, when you talk about you know, be your head is in the past or your head is in the future. Um, that really, I think, is maybe the, the norm for, for most of us going through life until we bring some awareness to that and actually make a point to just be focused on the present moment. And so what does that mean? Well, it means you're not worrying about what happened or you're not worrying about what's going to happen. And just in general, this idea of of mindfulness and just being more, um, you know, maybe focused or or delved into the moment and trying to feel um, that those fears of the past or fears of the future are not. In control, you know that you can let go mm-hmm. of those fears of the past or future, and just be in the moment and be present with what you're doing. Whether it's chopping your vegetables or um, spending time with your loved one or spending time with your family, I think any experience that we're going through can be improved by trying to to bring our awareness to our our mind's focus. And are we thinking of the future or the past? And then making that kind of conscious decision to try and be more present and be more focused in what I'm doing. Um, and I think it makes perfect sense that that would also translate in our relationships and those more intimate times yeah. when arguably maybe it's the most important mm-hmm. to just be tuned in to yourself and that person mm-hmm. and not be thinking of, you know, those worries about the fat, the past or future and certainly not worrying about things like your grocery list or am yeah. I um, – you know, like you said, am I, am I doing things right? Am I, you know, providing pleasure? Do I look okay? Am I, you know, there's all of those kind of self-criticisms that mm-hmm. come up in, all through life, regular life. Yeah. But then in those intimate settings, it's almost like there's a magnifying glass to all of that. Yeah. So it becomes even more challenging to really disconnect yourself from all of those other things and really be able to tune in to the person.
2: Yeah, I mean, in truth, you know, we're naked and vulnerable. We're most vulnerable with with our intimate partners. And that's 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 why Tantra is not just about the bedroom and it's about that personal work that we do every day, like you said, to be present with cutting vegetables and driving and whatever else you do, talking to somebody. And the more we invite that presence into our daily life, our daily kind of what we call the mundane, um, can become ecstatic, because in each moment there's gratitude and there's joy that, hey, I exist, and I am so excited to be here and (laughs) experience through my body, through my senses, through my consciousness, and that there's this incredible joy that we can cultivate just through remembrance of that Mm -hmm. in our moment to moment existence so that it almost becomes a seamless transition and your entire life feels like this ecstatic, joyful experience and there's less and less differentiation between sex and pleasure and daily life. That pleasure, that idea, that ecstasy runs as a a core thread throughout your daily Mm -hmm. life. And, um, and that's a really beautiful thing. And, um, and I think that's personal growth. That's, that's, you know, what I feel like we should all be working to cultivate more and more and more and not Mm -hmm. have such a dissociated like, this is when I work. This is when I have pleasure. These are the people that I have pleasure with. These are the people that I work with. But it's, it's really about this unified sense of self that, that you then take into all your experiences mm. with everybody that you interact with. Um, and it's a reflection of you. It's not about them.
1: Mm-hmm. So then for someone listening who maybe wants to bring more Tantra into their relationship... Uh, what do you recommend for them? Or I guess what would be the place to start?
2: Well, um, I mean, exactly with cultivating more presence. um, And I know that can sound daunting, you know, like, you know, when we have these busy lives and so much pulling at us in Mm. in so many directions, um, but there's so much also in the way of tools to get more into the present moment. But I would say to invite more experience into your life that you know brings you joy.
3: Mm-hmm. You
2: know that's that's a key, I, and whatever that might be, and um, and creativity as well. You know, because mm-hmm. when we're in a when we're creating something, anything, and everything, whether it's cooking or art or music or you know videos or whatever we we <laughs> love to create, uh, we're in a ecstatic, joyful, childlike state that is closer and closer to our natural state, which is closer and closer to the state that you'd want to achieve in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. I mean, how bad could that be? Like Mm -hmm. childlike curiosity, joy, wonder, ecstasy. You know, these are the, the things that we want in the bedroom. But if we don't do that in our daily life or have any outlet for that type of experience in our daily life, we don't create space for those things to happen in other realms, then it's almost silly to think that we'd be able to cultivate that in some intimate moments
1: with a partner. Right. Especially, you know, as we kind of alluded to earlier, you know, that that's one of the most um, kind of difficult times in terms of all of those like self-criticisms and self-doubts and everything coming up, the more that you're in that vulnerable space Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it becomes even more challenging to find that presence. So making a practice of having more presence in everything you do. And I love the recommendation to just do more things that bring you joy and that Mm -hmm. are creative. And that's something that I um, recommend all the time Mm -hmm. to people and then also try to integrate in my own life Um, and, you know, finding joy and and ecstasy in the mundane, mm-hmm. in the regular things, in the little things that you know we you know happen every day. Um, I also think about, um, I guess, detachment in a way because as much as we um, want to tune in to that feeling of you know joy and happiness and contentedness, um, I think it's also important that you know, maybe that same skill that lets us tune into those moments of joy and happiness um, is also strong in what helps us detach from the negative. Mm. So when someone is being critical or we are in a situation that um, is stressful or is difficult or has a negative person there just like raining on our parade, so to speak, that we're able to detach from that moment and not let that bad experience dragged down our entire day our Mm -hmm. entire level of happiness Um, one of the yoga teachers we filmed with said the other day uh, something that just really rung true for me and i feel like maybe it's fitting here Um, but she said you know a lot of people will say oh i I had a bad day i had a bad day Mm -hmm. and she's like realistically you had a couple of bad moments mm. in the midst of a day that was probably a lot like every other day that you have mm. and it just kind of brought under the microscope this um you know kind of uh, it's a very true experience you know I've had that same thing I've gone home and said the same thing oh terrible day oh just everything went wrong um But putting it under that magnifying glass and you go real. And actually, it was Julia Marie. There she is right there who said this Mm -hmm. lovely um, (laughs) little statement to me, Um, you know, that you put it under the magnifying glass and then you see that like, oh, the day was just a day like any other day. Mm -hmm. And maybe it had a couple of these bad things that happened or something stressful that happened or somebody really, you know, mean or just negative, Mm -hmm. you know, came into my life in this day. But then you don't let it ruin your entire day and you don't go home saying oh i had this terrible day because of this one tiny experience that happened yeah um so i'm not maybe that's totally (laughs) totally actually off topic um but just this idea that we you know can connect and tune in to the good things but then also not be dragged down into the mud by those stressful things that are just gonna inevitably happen. Like, ultimately we seek to, even in those stressful situations and those days that feel like they're bad days and they were really rough, Mm. that we still recognize that there was actually a lot of joy in this day. And I'm still a happy, joyful, contented person, not, you know, not gonna let all of these negative things like change my own experience, which is still positive.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I think A big part of Tantra, too, is about allowing, you know, and allowing yourself to fully experience the frustration, the negativity, whatever, you know, we want to call those emotions. Um, And so in order to fully allow yourself to experience joy and ecstasy, it's that same permission that allows you to experience sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm. Um, And... It's just about experience and you know, you could dive into feeling awful. And, um, and I think, I don't remember exactly the time on that, but I think there's something about you can only feel really, really, really bad, like whether it's pain or, you know, for 90 seconds, and then you actually move through that emotion. Mm. So it's almost an invitation, allow yourself to feel awful for 90 seconds, whether it's like to just be totally frustrated and uh, totally irritable or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. sad, um, and let your body move through it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel that this idea of I had a bad day, influencing your entire experience over that 18 hour period, um, is because we don't let ourselves dive deep enough into feeling awful, so Mm. that we can then come back to center. Um, And to not actually beat ourselves up for feeling bad, because it's really just an emotion. It's still something to be celebrated that we can move through and experience life Mm. in all of its flavors. And I think that it's, it's almost a narrowing of the spectrum if we think that we only need to experience joy, peace, love, happiness, I think those are our core essences. That's who we are in our innate self. Mm. And then we have these layers, and those are influenced by external circumstances, maybe sometimes what we eat or how much sleep we had. And in inviting more joy and ecstasy into your life, you can do it in a container. You can do it like, I had an awful day, but I'm going to experience joy for 10 minutes doing this one thing that I know I love. Mm. And fully dive into that joy for that time period. Um, and and that's kind of the beauty of it too, is that everything is permissible and everything is acknowledged as part of our human experience, um, but to still allow ourselves the play and the play time in which to invite more ecstasy. And so to honor ourselves with what we know brings us joy, but mm-hmm. not necessarily blunt any of our experience or emotion for
1: the other parts of our days right i like that um idea of like you really delve into the emotion so that you can move through it Mm -hmm. and let it fall off of you like i like that dust the dirt off my shoulder kind of visual image of like i'm just gonna let this thing fall you know fall by me and like yes this was a negative experience Oh, and I'm just so happy that it's over now <laughs> and now I'm going to let it go and go endeavor the rest of my day with this light and positivity.
2: Yeah. And one of the best ways to move through emotions is to actually move them through your body. And I believe children do this naturally. They move their bodies all the time in sort of weird shapes and ways. And so um, something that's big within the um, Tantra community is ecstatic dance, mm. which is essentially what it says, <laughs> you know, there, you're, you're just moving your body freely in whichever way that you want to or feel called to. And they do it in groups, but you can do it alone. And when you do it in a group, it's actually a silent dance so you're not trying to necessarily interact with somebody or dance with a partner that can happen if it works that way but um, it really is just about moving your body in ways that is going to help you release whatever you may have still been holding on to or it could be just about expressing your joy Mm. and um and that's really powerful and beautiful to to do that. And I've and I think one of the reasons people have so much pain is because they're holding themselves in certain postures um, throughout the day. And even in yoga, you know, you hold yourself in a posture versus a, allowing your body to kind of ripple and move in different mm-hmm. ways um, that would be, something that you couldn't predict. Mm-hmm. And that allows the energy and to flow and move through you and to move out of you in probably a way that's um, more effective than than any kind of therapy or specific yoga sequence mm. in terms of emotional release. Right. Yeah, it's pretty amazing because I might wake up, with a little bit of a stiff back. And I'm like, oh, I should really do yoga today. But then instead I just start dancing. And, you know, I'll either do it at my house or sometimes I go um, to ecstatic dance outside of the house. And they have them in every city these days. Um, And and then the pain's gone. You don't necessarily need to do a particular stretch. You just need to sort of move your spine, move your neck, like let things sort of just flow out,
1: you know? Mm -hmm. I think that definitely... Um, I have this image of like a stagnant pond Uh (laughs) that I think about a lot. And so whether it's like talking about getting more exercise or, you know, drinking more fluids or, you know, moving the lymphatic system, getting lymphatic massage. I'll kind of, you know, talk about this idea of, you know, if you're walking through the forest and there's a stagnant pond Mm -hmm. with no water flowing through it you probably have smelled it long before you've actually come up on the pond. It's dark, it's totally uninviting and mm-hmm. and, and that is what you know maybe is almost what's happening within us when we are stagnant, mm-hmm. when we are sedentary. So Contrasting that with um, a moving brook where the water is flowing, it's so clear, you can see right down to the bottom, it's beautiful, it's inviting, it smells refreshing, Mm -hmm. Um, and just that, you know, kind of transition (laughs) or juxtaposition, so to speak, of these two different things, I think is, um, for me, a big... Uh, it was a big realization and understanding of, like, why I need to have more physical movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the same way of, you know, people will talk about, you know, well, how can yoga improve my mental health? Or why is yoga going to help me feel, you know, more more balanced or more, you know, we talk about emotional release a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I try to give them this, <laughs> you know, this little example mm-hmm. to maybe try and bring some. Uh, some understanding to you know the truth that movement really does completely change the environment that it's in so the case of the water moving through the stagnant pond or the case of us actually doing exercise yoga stretching or ecstatic dance which we do have here in Austin um, is I think a very it's certainly a very fitting thing for the Wellness Plus podcast, because we're all about just inspiring people to have more movement. Yeah. Um, So I love that even in this conversation, once again, we've kind of brought up this um, recurring theme, so to speak, Mm -hmm. um, that you move your body and that we can have uh, emotional holdings that physical movement can help us process and can help us release. And, you know, so we've talked about sort of
2: how tantra is not just about sexuality and it's our entire being throughout the day and how we approach life and how much how how we're personally responsible and we choose our ecstasy and we cultivate space for ecstasy Um, but i don't think the conversation would be complete without talking about it in terms of the context of sexuality and so there were a few things i wanted to share around that so one is something that we've already touched on before in, in today's conversation, um, with regarding to this idea of self consciousness,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and um, and my experience of younger women especially, um, but also you know younger men, is that there's there's a lot of insecurity that comes into sexuality, and this may be something that you know. Per- perseveres throughout the decades mm-hmm. um, uh, like we talked about you know how do I look am I doing this right you know and um, and is the is the other person satis- satisfied and it's um, what, what my understanding of Tantra to date is that it's it's r- really tries to alleviate any of that concern because Mm. it really is about play and there is no end destination. So in our modern day sexuality, what we see in um, media and what's portrayed is that um, that there's always an end goal. You know, there's orgasm as an end goal, typically. And one of the aspects of Tantra is because we are these joyful, ecstatic, curious creatures, that there doesn't have to be an endpoint. Mm-hmm. That may be a result. Orgasm can still happen even without, say, ejaculation. Um, but it's really about two people, or even within oneself, coming together with the intention to explore and to play and to to sort of relish in your existence Mm -hmm. and I think especially for younger audiences listening that could that could be some a concept that hasn't even been introduced Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like there's a big lack of education in that realm Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times and this may be changing but you know I I know especially from my parents generation it was a taboo topic you didn't speak (laughs) about it Um, you definitely didn't you know, say much to your children about it other than a birds and bees type of story. And everything that people have had to glean has been through speaking with their peers that are probably as inexperienced as they are and what they see on media and po- possibly even pornography. So um, that seems to be the biggest downfall for me is that mm-hmm. the widespread um, portrayal in porn has become <laughs> the the standard or the ideal because of Mm. a lack of education and other aspects, Um, you know, where we are receiving guidance from kind of true, trusted and true teachers um, because of their lack of comfort with the topic. Right. And, um, And so... You know, it's just such a watered down <laughs> superficial portrayal of sexuality when mm-hmm. um, when pornography is the only sort of resource. and um, and mutual respect play the ecstasy that you bring just because you're joyful to be alive. I feel like all of those aspects are missing from. Mm-hmm from our modern-day concept of sexuality and um, and sort of the, uh, the end-goal, destination type of mindset. Uh, it's not really about the journey anymore. It's just right. the destination. Like, that is definitely um, sort of a contortion mm-hmm. in our modern-day um, sexuality concept. And I feel like we just grow up so vacuous you know because because this thing is put on a pedestal as um, as this enigmatic you know desirable act and then most people are quite disappointed you know they're just right. like is that it and then it's actually becomes you know um and it can be actually, you know, a really traumatic experience for so many people yeah. um, on on all levels, you know, from abuse to just negligence to, you know, disappointment um, with this thing that's put on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And I, I just see that there's so much more room for kind of a public education yeah. around this from a young age up so that people are really honoring their bodies, that mm-hmm. that we're choosing our partners um, because they enhance our, our energy and our, our, our ability to communicate with both ourselves as divine beings, Mm. but, but the other and honoring the divinity in someone else through sexuality. And I, I, I just, um, I wish that there was more information and there was more education around that. And that's part of why I started talking about it with, you know, first a group of women, and then I did a partner workshop and then, you know, kind of a bigger group, um, because, the little that I know, have learned, have internalized, have channeled, mm. is enough that I feel is uh, worth sharing. Yeah, and and hoping to to make a, a difference and to um, to to bring more dimension <laughs> to mm-hmm. what people conceive as what's possible. Right, and. Um, and once we honor ourselves so deeply, when we honor ourselves with the ecstasy of being alive and the joy and the gratitude of our experience, it's almost just natural that we then honor the person that we're connecting with, and um, and I really think it is a natural pro- product of being in that um, element yourself, mm-hmm. and and then there then when you get out of the destination mindset and you're just setting time aside, this is our playtime. You know, this is our 30 minutes or 20 minutes, or maybe you don't even set a timer, but this is playtime. This is connection time. This is exploration time. Then we begin to invite in the present moment. Mm. And in the present moment, the divine exists. It's the ability to connect with something beyond yourself when you're out of your head, when you're in your body, when you're in your spirit and when you're connecting with another spirit there's so much potential for you guys to have this exponential creation of energy and um and and, uh, another type of merging you know you've already unified and merged with yourself and then you're merging with the other pole of existence Mm -hmm. so um it's often that you know not male female but Uh, we all have masculine and feminine and some in some people the masculine is more predominant some the feminine more predominant and um, I'm not talking about lesbian or gay or straight that's not the distinction of masculine and feminine um, because we all have these components within us so it can be any type of couple Mm -hmm. Um, but there is a coming together of the 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 predominance of each energy whether it's masculine or feminine when two people come together and in sexuality. And so it's the merging of the divine feminine and masculine as well. So we're fully unified within our own spirits. The other person is also, you know, relishing in the ecstasy of their existence. And then you have this explosion of unification of masculine and feminine as well. And then it's just fireworks and it's, you know, you're out, off in outer space and, yeah. um, you know, it's just. I, I just hope to convey that there's so much more out there
3: mm-hmm.
2: and possible than what we could have even dreamed of and maybe it was what we dreamed of when we were young and didn't know better and right. then we got disillusioned. <laughs> and there's room again and hope for us to, you know, rekindle what could be possible if we approach this from a a deeper deeper perspective, starting with the self. Mm
0: -hmm. The podcast you are listening to was brought to you by wellnessplus.tv, a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv.
1: I definitely agree with you that our um, kind of cultural... uh, I wouldn't even maybe call it education, because in our culture, sexuality is so taboo that it's this kind of uh, not to be spoken, not to be uttered area. uh, But then contrasted with this incredibly, um, I don't know, huge porn industry, Mm -hmm. for lack of a more eloquent way of saying it, and unfortunately, what those films are, are doing to people's relationships, and I speak not from personal experience, because this is not something that I've ever had any desire to watch, um, but I can only imagine. And then also based on things that people have come to me for, I've had people come to me asking for health coaching for addiction to pornography, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've, I've definitely, I've tried to help. I've been able to help in some ways. But in a lot of ways, that for me is just such an area of, like, I don't know anything about it. But I know that for a lot of the, certainly the young people out there, um, that is the primary sex education that they receive. Mm. So they're receiving something that perpetuates this idea of, you know, physicality and appearance and, um you know, there's not an emphasis on um, the connection between the two people. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in general, over the last several decades, the sexual culture has become, um, you know, more about a less intimate relationship with multiple partners. Mm-hmm. And so now between, you know, birth control and all of these other different realms, it's almost as if we've been encouraged to have, uh, less meaningful sexual relationships with more partners. Mm-hmm. And then what I observe <laughs> among my friends, among the people I work with, among people who've come to me for health coaching for this very problem, um, it exacerbates all of those different <laughs> issues that we kind of talked about before, which is that we, you know, maybe question ourselves. It can be a scary situation. It can be a very, um, you know, kind of frightening thing to endeavor. And I feel that all the, I guess, modern modern culture around this topic is only perpetuating those things. Mm -hmm. And then the end result is not sexual liberation, that people are enjoying sex more, they're having amazing relationships and meaningful relationships. It's actually like it's been less liberating. Mm -hmm. So now sex has become such a, um, you know, kind of superficial experience for people that that is the norm. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of not just having a superficial experience of, you know, a sexual relationship in one way or another, but that you're actually deepening the relationship you have with the person and then use that as the, the base or the foundation of the relationship that then maybe a sexual relationship comes from that Mm
3: -hmm. rather
1: than I feel you know um, a lot of things maybe start on the sexual side of the relationship between two people or two people are attracted to each other maybe they are um, you know engaging in uh, sexual relationship before they are even friends with one another or before they even are in a connected, intimate, you know, relationship. So all in all, uh, the, I guess, kind of enjoyment of sex, so to speak, throughout this whole like liberation of, of the, you know, sexual liberation and birth control pills and everything, like to me, that has just sunken everything down into a worse experience where people are maybe having more sexual encounters, but they're less meaningful, they're less enjoyable, mm-hmm. they're perpetuating all of those um, fears and and not being present. Um, so in a way, the the cultural emphasis on sex and the way that the culture has you know, created it as a taboo in one sense, and yet something that is in our faces in every commercial, in every music video, any movie you watch, even, you know,
3: mm.
1: I remember when I was younger, it was like a big deal if there was insinuated a sex scene or something. Now you can be watching cable TV mm-hmm. with your with your kids, your little kids. And I mean, sex scenes that make me a grown woman completely uncomfortable and completely blush that I'm just like, I can't even watch a lot of mainstream TV shows and stuff now because mm-hmm. I just feel it's, it's so sexualized. Um, and yet... As you have this almost like crater of like hypersexualization and then taboo of sexuality, the crater is the actual meaningfulness that people can experience.
2: Yeah. Um, so a couple things kind of come up around that. I, I I don't I don't think I have. Well, one thing I'll say to start is that there is with multiple partners and kind of a casual sex, there is, um, the danger of, you know, besides the obvious STDs and, you know, other things, um, there is the energetic aspect of, um, especially for women being in sort of a receiver, um, physical structure, you know, with the uterus and vaginal Mm -hmm. canal, um, receiving energy and also receiving, um, the ejaculate and what it contains, not just on a physical level, but the energy behind it. So mm. as we have multiple partners um, in a meaningless way, we are being very casual with our energy as well and what energy we bring into the body. Mm. So there is that. I, I think that there is a distinction between the depth of experience with somebody and how many partners? Mm. Um, how, the number of partners doesn't necessarily mean casual. It, it again starts with the individual. Right. So if you are coming w- to whatever encounter, whether it's your own um, individual sexuality versus with a partner, with that with that sense of depth and gravity and presence um, and intensity, it, it doesn't necessarily pre. It doesn't necessarily um, it's not always the path of monogamy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and but I, I do understand your point, and I think that's very, you know poignant that that there is a dumbing down. It's both multiple partners and superficial sexuality mm-hmm. that is prevalent yeah. in our society that has become very problematic because I feel like people, Feel the void and they just keep kind of, mm. <laughs> you know, like dipping into little wells, like hoping to fill the deeper right. vacuous well of the individual mm. um, versus, you know, diving deep with one person or another person, you know, but but that that depth. And then also the the huge disparity between this is taboo, but then it's prevalent in all of our society. And um you know, I, I, I don't know if I have a, like a real delineated position on pornography other than it is a superficial sort of, um, I'll say dumbed down version of, <laughs> of sexuality, mm-hmm. that it's propagating negative stereotypes or yeah. um, just less than what could be. Um, and it is pretty masculine dominated in its sort of um, vision. But, um, and, and I also think that it does detract in, in some ways from intimacy and monogamy, mm-hmm. if that's what the partners are choosing. It doesn't make any sense to me that a person in a monogamous relationship who is choosing one partner would um, then, in their mind, have multiple partners over a video, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. um, it kind of coming from the concepts of NLP, if you go there in your mind, you actually went there. And I, I feel that that's that's true in in pornography too, um, that if you do open that door in a monogamous relationship, that's what you're choosing, mm-hmm. um, then it makes it easier to invite it in in the physical world too. Right. Um, but you know, I, I don't like to necessarily say one thing is bad for everybody and one thing's good. It really is depending on what people are choosing. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it is honor, honoring the freedom of choice for every individual, right. whether they choose to watch pornography, whether they, um, you know, choose multiple partners or they just choose a monogamous relationship. It's, it's for me at least, it's not that one is bad and one is good and mm-hmm. that, you know, we have a morality associated with that Um it really is personal choice, um, but I do see, kind of from a public service perspective, that um, that pornography definitely has its um, pitfalls in our society when we are uh, trying to go for or have the intentions of more depth right. in our relationships. And honestly, kind of what you talked about with this uh, superficial sexuality. Uh, I, I really think that our sexuality is sort of the deepest reflection of who we are as a person too. And if you're not going deep personally, if you're not working on yourself to understand your patterns, to work through your blocks, to you know work through your trauma, work through your past, um, and be the observer of your situations... Then most likely your sexuality will be also, you know, multiple partners, meaningless sex. You know, mm-hmm. um, but but it makes more sense to me that again that that core of sexuality translating throughout your entire existence. That if you are diving deep within yourself, that you would also um, you'd also carry that depth over into your sexual life.
1: Mm-hmm. I think also, you know, that you're definitely right that you know, each person's experience is different. And it's certainly not to say that, you know, all porn is bad and that it's going to have a negative impact on everyone. Um, Certainly as as a teacher for children in that role, I think it's definitely negative. But I also don't know if there's much that we can do to prevent our children from, you know, like I said earlier, whether it's just seeing the sexuality on the television or in the music video, or if they actually are able to get their hands on... Um, you know, inappropriate videos um, that you know, you touched on earlier, you know, from a young age where we're kind of being shaped and being molded and all these different things. And so you know, if we can um, you know, maybe as parents step out of the comfort level a little bit to try and, and bring this topic to you know, to young people, to our children, maybe it's even um, just bringing more awareness to this idea that we want to uh, find a way to um, just like diminish, I guess, the gap between like it being a very, very pervasive thing that no one can. Avoid if they're watching the mainstream media, but then also it's this super taboo thing that no one wants to talk about. Somehow we find a more balanced mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, foundation between the two. Uh, that that would, you know, certainly change a lot of, um, you know, a lot of those problems that younger people are having. And then, especially when they start getting into the age where they are interested in the opposite sex. Um, you know, that you can have more confidence. And, you know, you could say, well, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Your confidence, your passion, your presence, Mm -hmm. your happiness, your joy, your contentedness. You Mm -hmm. know, I think in a lot of ways, those things come together and kind of recognizing that the sexuality is a part of who we are Mm -hmm. and is not something that you can just cover up and pretend like it doesn't exist, um, but that we feel more comfortable with it and that it's not this taboo thing that we have to turn to illicit materials in order to learn something about um, mm-hmm. would actually bring a lot more empowerment just in general to people, yeah, so
2: and I think it it starts with the parents, right, becoming more. Um, open with having those conversations with themselves and their partners, because mm. how are we going to have that conversation with a child if we haven't had right. the conversation with ourselves? Right. And um, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I haven't had to do that yet. Me neither. Oh, my um, God. Thank
1: goodness. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I would have, be the one with like, this, <laughs> so there's birds and there's bees. <laughs> but, you know,
2: I have seen um, some really great examples of that conscious parenting mm. um, come through with younger kids. And I think just kids in general these days are so much. More aligned and empowered, and intuitive, and I I am optimistic that they are going to be the you know the next generation of making these more kind of conscious choices from every aspect of their life, including their sexuality. Um, And I guess maybe the last point that I wanted to just emphasize is that, kind of like how we talked about in the beginning, that. We think that sometimes we have to differentiate our spirituality, which is transcendence of the body, um, from our physicality or our sexuality. Um, It may be really like, I don't know, a taboo thing to say or faux pas to actually even use the two words in the same sentence, sexuality and spirituality, or that one might be a bridge to the other. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's another core concept of Tantra that's important to emphasize, that Uh, I don't know if I fully emphasized it before, but just that um, in that full presence of your own experience with yourself uh, and the object of your experience, that union. And then again, that union translating out to your partner, connecting with that partner's spiritual essence and the merging of your energy um, through your physical body, but a complete union um of the mind body spirit equation mm. uh i just want to emphasize that we don't need to deny our bodies or that pleasure doesn't preclude spirituality, that they're Mm -hmm. not these separate things, and that in Tantra, you actually unify those concepts, and that um, we use our bodies as vehicles to generate that energy, to generate that consciousness and presence, um, which furthers and deepens our connection to spirit. And um, I can speak from personal experience that um, I've been doing pranayama and meditation and yoga for over, I don't know, at least 7 to 10 years. And I've had moments of bliss sitting on a meditation mat in you know, other meditations like the one where I got the download about what Tantra is. Um, You know, having just daily experience, talking to patients where you just feel really alive and present with somebody. Mm. Um, But I will say that in experiencing some tantric practices where that kind of root chakra sexual energy is generated and then moved up the spine and out the head, um, sort of up our spinal canal, um, not literally the spine, but that channel, um, sort of, I guess we could equate it to like a Kundalini, for example, that in that experience, it's been more profound than any other spiritual practice, mm-hmm. because I believe that we were given our bodies to use them. That you know, we, I believe, when we pass from this lifetime in this body, we're gonna have all the time we want to be these disembodied spirits that are, you know, manifesting on other planes and things like that. <laughs> but um, but we have this unique experience in this body in this mm-hmm. moment to to allow our bodies to be the vehicle for our connection with both our experience with our lover but also with the divine and that um, I think it's a shame if we don't use our body <laughs> for that purpose and um, and on the contrary if we say that the body's bad and needs to be denied and I'm not talking about like wanton like like wanton desire just you know um, but I'm talking about using our bodies as a vehicle to generate that energy that, that we can move through our chakras and mm. um, and first connecting with ourselves, you know, and um, recognizing that we can have what I call an energy gasm or an energy orgasm where we it's a full body um, experience that actually has no genital contact. It's just, it's like a deep meditation. It's visualization and movement of energy that you visualize moving up in circles, up the chakras. And um, and really powerful, you use breath, you use mind, you use visualization and body all together um, to have this, this very unified experience. And I just would encourage everybody to explore it a little more because um, the potential for a really Just self-generated, fulfilled life is Mm -hmm.
1: there, and it doesn't even have to involve a partner. So where would you recommend, uh, I guess, resources or references if people wanted to to do just that? Yeah, so I mean, I've read several books along
2: the way. Um, I wouldn't say that any one is the the one to read. so I, I actually don't want to name names because I don't feel like one book is, is it. But beginning the exploration, maybe working with a local um, practitioner, there's so many more these days than, mm-hmm. you know, making sure it's somebody you feel good about in terms of their energy and their training and um and their experience or how they, they convey the message. But I would say the best place to start is not on the internet and not necessarily in a book, but to get some first hand experience in either an individual session or a workshop.
1: Okay. I want to thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. Uh, maybe we can even have a part two of this episode sometime. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the program. And I look forward to having you back sometime soon. All right.
2: Thank you so much for listening.
1: Definitely. <laughs> I want to thank all of you for tuning in to the Wellness Plus podcast. Remember that you can visit Nisha Khanna online at nishakhannamd.com. I also encourage you to visit wellnessplus.tv where you can sign up for our monthly subscription. You gain access to all of our premium content, including our premium Yoga Plus app. So please be sure to join us there, and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you again soon. The Wellness Plus Podcast.
0: Copyright 2018. Target Public Media, LLC. All rights reserved.